morning. It's Tuesday, the 4th of December, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only twice-weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world, and the number one result on Google for autonomous cars podcasts. Today, episode 71, I have a cold. We discuss whether governments around the world should slow the deployment of autonomous vehicles to help save jobs. Here in the U.S., the federal government decides to take a rather hands-off approach to AVs. And is boring the optimal solution for autonomous cars? All this, right now. But first, it is Tuesday, which means we've got to do a quick recap of last week's Friday poll day, which, rather conveniently, perfectly segues into the first segment of today's episode. So, the question was, should the U.S. government slow or otherwise restrict the introduction of autonomous vehicles into the workforce to limit any potential social costs? For example, truck drivers losing their jobs in the span of a decade or so. And the answer choices were rather simply yes, government should intervene, B, no, government should stay out, and C, something else, in which case please do let me know in the comments. Now, uh, if only because this like I say, segues so perfectly into the first segment. I'm not going to dive into a discussion of this right now. We'll leave that for that segment. But suffice to say, do make sure to head on over to Autonomous Hogue on Twitter um, to check out the results for yourself. Suffice to say, the results are not totally unexpected, but there is a lot to discuss. So let's dive in and get started right now. Hey, just a cool data point I wanted to share with you. My podcast, Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, is on track to hit 10,000 listens per month. And my goal, although it would have been nice to have reached that by the end of the year, frankly, I'm quite content to reach that goal at the one-year anniversary of the show, which will be the end of February. So, with your help, I know we can achieve this, uh, and it's going to require nothing more than simply the usual social media type things. For example... Be sure, please, to follow me on Twitter at Autonomous Hogue and share content, share episodes on Twitter. Make sure to like uh, my new Facebook page, facebook.com slash Autonomous Hogue. Share content there as well. And in any event, just generally continue to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And I know that with your help, without a doubt, we'll absolutely hit that 10,000 listenership per month easily by the February anniversary of this podcast. So thank you so much for that indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, so as I mentioned a moment ago, today's first segment is a direct follow-up to last week's Friday poll day. Again, this question is a really intriguing one, I think, because ordinarily, at least I think in general, um, there's sort of an assumption that at least and arguably especially with technology, um, well, the last thing you should want to do is to slow it or otherwise restrict its introduction into the public realm. Uh, as I've mentioned several times in the past, the only two really kind of obvious examples where 
the promise of new technology kind of gave people pause and produced huge sort of social discourse and debate was really the elevator back in, what was it, 1857-ish? Um, and of course, airplanes, when they rolled out, uh, flew out, whatever. Um, so, so, so now suddenly we've got the same kind of a thing, uh, of course, with autonomous cars. And what's interesting is, at least with the elevator and with the airplane, the only concern there was really one of safety, right? People were scared to get in elevators. Um, obviously, there was a fear that you'd be trapped, they could fall, you could die and have a miserable, suffering existence uh, within a matter of seconds. Uh, airplanes, of course, well, that just sort of went against nature. Humans weren't meant to be up in the air, never mind that we had been trying to do so since Leonardo's time. Um, the point is that those those sort of debates, those discussions, those were always centered around the technological aspects. There was never really a discussion um, about whether it was socially okay. Um, I guess if we have to look for an example of that question, we would have to look to the introduction of maybe the steam locomotive, right? The earliest trains, maybe factories generally. You see what I'm getting at here, right? Because you'd have to really look for examples where the introduction of technology threatened to put out of work, to threaten to make unemployed a huge cross-section of society. Um, and I'm not saying that this sort of a thing has never occurred before. It absolutely has. Thing is, though, there's rather more people in the world today than, say, 100 years ago even. Um, you know, we're pushing, what, 7 billion people? Um, and, you know, here in the U.S., there's this concern that, especially with, say, the truck driving industry, which employs, what is it, 10 million-ish truck drivers? Um, the concern is not simply that some truck drivers, and maybe even the concern that all truck drivers will eventually be out of work. The concern is that contrary to what I think is popular opinion, the deployment of autonomous vehicles, including and especially for commercial use, that is for trucking, say, is going to actually occur at a much faster pace than any of us realize. <clears throat> As a footnote um, to the previous episode we just did last uh, Thursday, you know, especially now that Luminar Technologies have announced this new LiDAR that has a range of 250 meters, well, that actually is suitable for use on large trucks. So, so the point is, this is, this is a very near future sort of reality. And so, so to loop this back then to, to the point I'm getting at is, we're not just talking about some or even all uh, employees in a certain industry eventually going out of, you know, eventually losing their jobs over some long period of time. We're, we're talking about potentially 10 million people losing their jobs in the span of like five to 10 years. This isn't some sort of gradual thing that we're talking about. This is a really quick thing. And you don't need to be a social scientist with some PhD in any related subject matter to just intuitively know that if you suddenly put 10 million people out of work in the span of just a few years, this is catastrophic for society. So, okay, so so the results of the poll, I mean, I will say this. In general, okay, not in general, by far and away, the, 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 the results were, you know, the government should stay out, right? We, we shouldn't have the government intervening because, and I'm guessing the general thought was because in any event, uh, you know, we want a hands-off government, 
less regulation is generally preferred over more regulation. Putting aside that discussion for a moment, I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, then, you know, uh, but then the question becomes, all right, well, you know, what, what should be done? Because some people did say the government should intervene. Um, there was one comment in particular, which I, I really want to call out. <laughs> I say in particular, there was one comment. Um, and the comment comes from the, the branch of a, of a law firm. <clears throat> Their Twitter account is called uh, Driverless, and they're presented by the law firm Tucker Ellis LLP. And the comment says simply, government should retrain workers for equally attractive jobs so they can be globally competitive. So I love this comment, literally. I, I hearted it on Twitter because this, I think, is precisely the correct answer. And so in that sense, I think I was kind of giving all of you a bit of a trick question by just giving you a rather binary answer choice. Yes, of course, I gave the, uh, the third option of leaving something in the comments, which, of course, driverless uh, went ahead and did. Um, by the way, I should clarify, their Twitter handle is underscore driverless uh, on Twitter. Um, so, so this is, I think, the absolute optimal solution, and here's why. Um, one of the things, and admittedly, I'm not super well-read on this, but my general understanding is that one of the things that we're really lacking here in America is, for lack of a better word, trade schools. So these are really common throughout, say, Germany and certain other countries, and the general idea is, look, um, not everybody necessarily is cut out for or wants to go or can go or even should go through the traditional educational system, high school, get a college degree, potentially even get a graduate school degree, um, right? And, and there's a very large need, a very real need for, you know, not only to ensure that they find, you know, a fruitful career in the absence of a traditional education, but there's also a real need just to have genuinely talented and skilled uh, people in, in, in the working space, right? And I'm, I'm using that term broadly to include uh, careers that, don't traditionally require uh, a rigorous academic education. Um, and, 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 you know, rather than kind of undermine these careers, I think this is actually giving them a tremendous amount of respect and actually kind of putting them up on a pedestal, saying, look, you, you guys are really, really important. I mean, our entire society would cease to function but for our truck drivers, our plumbers, our carpenters, our electricians. Um, you know, and so this is why in many European countries, and I'm, I keep referring to Germany because that's the only one about which I've read quite a bit, is you've got these really rigorous apprenticeship programs, right? So coming straight out of high school, say, uh, kids can go land an apprenticeship at, say, Mercedes-Benz in Stuttgart in, in Germany. Um, and, and they kind of work their way up the ranks. And this is such a thing that you end up with an entire family, multiple generations, kind of going through this process. And this is a per huh. Not only is this a perfect alternative, a perfectly viable alternative to the more traditional academic uh, approach to life, as it were. It's it's actually a really highly desired, highly sought after uh, approach to life. Um, so so I think I think that's something that we should really think about and consider because I think we can all agree um, that in general a hands off approach is probably better, at least when it comes to matters of technological innovation. Um, but to the point that certain people responded affirmatively that yes, the government should intervene. Uh, I'm going to kind of read between the lines and think maybe they just didn't leave a comment uh, or alternatively they should have said something else because I would actually answer as follows. Yes, the government should intervene not by restricting or slowing the deployment of a of new technology uh, and in this case, autonomous vehicle technology, not, not by getting in the way of its deployment, 
Another footnote, uh, as I think we're discussing later in today's episode, the federal government's actually going to be making it easier with a new bill that's uh, on the verge of passing. Um, But rather, yeah, the government should intervene by virtue of creating some alternative um, mechanism, some alternative structure in society, whether it's something called trade schools or otherwise, something which, again, as driverless said on Twitter, you know, something which enables workers to be easily retrained for, uh, quote-unquote, equally attractive jobs so they can be globally competitive. If this sounds really quite familiar, that's because several episodes back we did the interview with The Next Education, uh, in which we discussed this matter precisely with their CEO, uh, the issue being, you know, how do you, in fact, retrain workers for this new uh, this new economy, this this new world in which yeah, we're going to lose a lot of jobs very, very quickly, right? So, so anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that for now because this could, this could just kind of go on forever. Uh, obviously, it's a really sort of, there's a lot to discuss here. Uh, I say discuss, there's a lot to debate here. Um, so I guess I want to sort of close out with a question to all of you. Um, it's kind of a two-part question, and this is partly out of curiosity, partly just to kind of stoke the flames of this debate, but also genuinely out of curiosity because i don't know the answer to this question and i'm curious what you all think why don't we have trade schools or similar here in the u.s you know why is this even a discussion like why doesn't this sort of thing exist yet that this ability to kind of why, why don't we have this infrastructure to enable people to to be trained and in, in in fields in a more formal fashion you know um as similar to how we have in certain european countries as i say especially in germany with their trade schools why isn't this a thing and, and do you agree with me that this should become a thing very very quickly and if not uh why not so do let me know as you know you can of course leave a voicemail on anchor.fm if you listen there obviously shoot me a tweet on twitter at autonomous hogue you can of course also reach out through the contact form on my website at markhogue.com and obviously uh now that we have the new facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash autonomous hogue i would really encourage you to leave your thoughts and comments there so we can have a nice public discourse amongst all of your fellow listeners i think that would be a lot of fun i think that's probably going to be the most fun apart from twitter so uh yeah definitely know your th- let me know your thoughts let me know what you think and uh, i'd really love to come back and discuss this further in a future episode another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so a couple things to discuss here. So first of all, if you remember from a few episodes back, we had talked about how the federal government was basically taking a more hands-off approach to autonomous cars developments. Um, Basically, they wanted to leave everything in the hands of the states, which obviously is sort of a double-edged sword, right? So on the one hand, they should presumably make it easier um, because, well, now, you know, the the, the actual companies are free to develop and test autonomous cars wherever, whenever, and however they like. On the other hand, for any company trying to roll out a car for testing, let alone public deployment, well, now they're going to have to make sure they you know, sync up with all the 50 states' various requirements. So that's obviously going to be a bit tricky. Um, 
so so one of the things that's pretty good about this though is that uh, in general though there's a there's a general kind of relaxing of regulations meaning uh no longer are cars going to be required to have things like steering wheel gas and brake pedals side mirrors that kind of thing the idea really is to do whatever is possible to fast track the deployment of autonomous cars so generally speaking i think i think this is a pretty great move um Thing is, though, and so, so what we end up with here, then, is really the first self-driving car bill. It's getting a push from Congress right now. It's called the AV Start Act, for Autonomous Vehicle Start Act. Um, the idea is a couple things. First, on the one hand, yes, the, the idea is to, as I just said, to loosen up many of these federal regulations with respect to self-driving vehicles, um, uh, meaning that companies like Tesla or whomever else, they'll, they'll be able to develop uh, vehicles without any sort of particular regulatory action. So again, this seems on its face, okay, kind of good. It's going to help fast track things. On the other hand, um, it is also mandating, however, that all crash data for any level two and above vehicle must be sent to the government. If this sounds vaguely familiar, well, yeah, it's kind of like the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration does for aircraft matters, right? So anything and everything occurs in or involved or related to aircraft uh, gets sent to the FAA. So I um I don't really have a super strong opinion as to whether this is or isn't a good idea um, on its face. I mean, I, I think my gut reaction is, yeah, sure. Again, drawing the analogy to aviation, I'm kind of okay with that. I, I mean, if you extend this to the logical conclusion, level five cars aren't cars anymore in the traditional sense of the word. It's not really your kind of private thing. It's really a thing which is shuttling people around, especially once we're talking about car sharing fleets rather than privately owned vehicles. Then yeah, I don't really see the difference between uh, an autonomous car uh, and an airplane. Really, there's no difference apart from the fact that one of them gets around on four wheels at a rather slower pace to the other, which is getting around thanks to wings and, and wings and some engines and uh, at a much faster pace. I, I don't really see the difference there, so I'm kind of okay with it. What does concern me though is having this sort of requirement, perhaps a bit prematurely. Um, or alternatively, having this requirement for privately owned vehicles. So this is going to apply th this, this requirement to send to the government crash data for all level two and above cars. Well, this suddenly includes Tesla with autopilot, um, you know, presumably uh, any Audi or BMW, Volvo, which have level two, and even now, I guess it's Audi, the A8 have... You know, they've got level three systems. You know, so now suddenly you're talking about privately owned vehicles whose data is going to be sent to the government in the event of any sort of collision. I, I don't think any of us are going to disagree on, you know, whether this is going to produce a bit of public outcry. I think in general, people are not going to be too pleased with this. Uh, putting on my lawyer's hat for a moment, this seems a pretty easy application of the Interstate Commerce Clause, which states generally that, of course, the U.S. government can, you know, regulate Anything which can be very loosely defined as having any sort of interstate commerce uh, application, meaning are you crossing state lines and is there any even, you know, tenuous link to commerce? So even if you're driving yourself across state lines for work or certainly if you're a trucking company trying to get from A to B across state lines, uh, even if you're doing business in another state, right, this all can qualify. This can kind of fall under the umbrella of interstate commerce, in which case not a problem. There. So so the issue is not whether this, whether this is legally uh, sound at least i'm not seeing anything obviously stick out in my mind but the, the bigger question is really just from a social point of view from a from a 
kind of consumer point of view, are folks going to be okay with this? I can't imagine too many people will be. I mean, yeah, sure, of course, the data is going to be anonymized, I'm sure, blah, blah, blah. But nevertheless, the minute people have the feeling that, you know, everywhere they're going is going to have, is going to be sent to the government, they're just not going to be okay with it. Even if you clarify what I'm about to clarify myself about, which is no, it doesn't seem to be the case that everywhere you go, all your traveling data is going to be sent to the government. No, it seems to be really just an automotive equivalent of black box data. So if there's a collision, uh, the last, say, 30 seconds or so uh, will be sent to the government. (laughs) As an aside, I wonder if they're going to start including uh, in-cockpit voice recorders too, like airplanes. Wouldn't that be something? Um, Anyway, what else here? I, there, there is one really funny thing I have to mention. Uh, it turns out that furthermore, um, so, on the, so on the one hand, as I mentioned, okay, there's no longer going to be a formal requirement to have things like steering wheel, gas, brake pedals, side mirrors. By the way, footnote to that. Finally being able to remove side mirrors from cars, that's going to have a pretty nice bump on fuel efficiency, at least at you know, higher speeds on freeways. So that, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, one of the weird things is that apparently, and I'm really scratching my head at this one, is that, well, drivers of autonomous vehicles, which is a funny word choice, right? Because if it's a level five vehicle, then by definition, you're not a driver, right? Uh, would be forced to take vision tests before they can get their driving license. Um, I, I'm not trying to be sarcastic here. I, I really don't understand the logic of this. Like, I, I just don't get it. Um, I mean... It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why Why would you need a vision test if your vehicle is totally autonomous? Okay, maybe maybe I don't have enough details here to go on. I mean, I guess it certainly makes sense still in the case of level two and level three vehicles and maybe even level four vehicles, I suppose. But certainly if it's a level five vehicle, by definition, you're not driving. So why should you have to have a vision test? Isn't the whole point, isn't one of the end goals for this game to be, you know, just to, to, to enhance mobility amongst the aging or disabled or otherwise incapable of driving population, right? I mean, the whole point is that if you're, dr- if you're blind, say, you should be able to hop into an autonomous vehicle and get from A to B without any problems. So I think this is probably more nuanced than I'm, than I'm understanding at this point. Uh, and again, obviously, sort of joking aside, this makes sense, I suppose, for level two and three vehicles. But for level four and level five, that just seems a bit weird. Um, Anyway, uh, so that's kind of where things are at now. I think it's obviously safe to say we're very much entering the realm of the Wild West of autonomous cars for better or worse. Um, That said, uh, it's an exciting time indeed. But in any event, it really kind of points towards the logical conclusion for where things are headed, which is to make things as boring as possible. Which brings us to our third and final segment. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Boring. That's what autonomous cars need to be in order for them to catch on. Uh, which sounds a bit weird, considering, as some of you know, I think I'm, I'm sure I mentioned in the past. I mean, again, I'm a, I mean, I'm about as hardcore of a car guy as can possibly be. I used to do track days. My dad used to race Lotus Super Sevens, for which he's actually got a first place trophy. Um, 
Yeah, so so but but really though, autonomous cars need to be boring. Uh, I, I really agree with this completely, and that's where things are headed. So if you remember back to, let's see, episode 41, we talked about a little company up in Michigan called May Mobility. And let's see, you're just looking over my episode notes. What did I share with you? Uh, basically, they were launching a six-seat, uh, fully autonomous electric shuttle pod, fully decked out with heating, air conditioning, and even a panoramic moonroof. Um, and what's funny is that some of the early testers, their only complaints were things like, oh, it's lacking music, and wait for it, cup holders. So the point is that they had, Mamability had partnered up with Detroit-based real estate firm Bedrock. The idea was to shuttle around some 18,000 employees of the Quicken Loans family of companies, of which Bedrock is a subsidiary, around a one-mile test loop. And really, apart from uh, just a human assistant to make sure that everything went smoothly from the beginning, uh, there wouldn't really be any com- human component at all. These, these shuttles were truly and genuinely fully autonomous. They don't even have any steering wheel or pedals. These things, I said, really are the real deal. Well, that was back in, when was this? This was June. All right, so that was June. Uh, it's about a half a year ago. Well, uh, today, um, I'm pleased to say, uh, Mabability is doing quite a good job indeed. In fact, they've just become the first company to provide revenue service for passengers, for customers, on a fully autonomous self-driving vehicle. In this case, indeed, it's one of their little uh, six-passenger shuttles. And that on its own is pretty remarkable, if only because they've just beaten out Waymo, who've been announcing that they're ready to roll out revenue service for their autonomous Chrysler Pacifica minivans to customers down in Arizona, which they haven't yet done yet. But yeah, this is really notable for another reason. It turns out that most passenger response so far has been something along the lines of, you know, well, nothing really. Uh, It's just not a big deal for anybody, it turns out. Um, They they sort of, you know, they they kind of get in in the shuttle pod, they get to their destination, and that's the end of it. So that's, I think, a really big deal. What I'm getting at is that... Nobody really felt there was anything out of the ordinary. Nobody felt sort of anxious. Nobody felt sort of thrilled at the event. Um, You know, and that's a really big deal because, again, as I very often relate to the aviation space, you wouldn't exactly want your flight from, say, San Francisco to New York to be thrilling. Yeah, that, that generally falls into the something has gone wrong category. You know, when an engine cowling falls off at takeoff, when the windshield cracks, when you pull a 2G turning maneuver. Uh, you know, these things generally are not really what passengers are looking for in a plane. On the contrary, people want to get on the plane, fall asleep, and wake up at their destination. So the idea that... that that you know that autonomous cars are tending towards being boring, yeah, that's that's pretty much perfect. Um, you, you know, the, the optimal point, of course, is getting on a shuttle pod and you know making sure not only do you get to your destination safely and comfortably, but in fact that you don't get car sick. This might sound a bit silly to say it, but for those of you who are not okay uh, as a passenger in a vehicle generally, especially if you're in the back seat, well. Yeah, it's because if you're not actually doing the driving, your inner ear gets all confused and you get all nauseous and sick and 
you know, that's just a not very good way to start or uh, end your trip. So, so the, the trick is then to make sure these vehicles, not only are they safe, not only are they uneventful, but in fact that they, that they drive really smoothly, right? Their inputs have to be very, very smooth. Um, and, and nothing can really sort of cause you to toss around in your, in your seat. So this is, I think, a really uh, telling thing. It's a really uh, compelling, I, I'd say, success story. And um, obviously now we just have to wait to see what Waymo has in store. Uh, because really, Waymo, the ball is now in your court. Here's to being boring. Hey, just a quick note before closing out today's episode. First of all, a huge thank you to those of you who've written in requesting to be a guest on this show. And of course, I'm really thrilled and honored at the wonderful guests we've had so far. But going forward, I'd like to do things a little differently. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please make sure that you, first of all, uh, follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Autonomous Hogue, and on Facebook at our new page, be sure to like it at facebook.com slash Autonomous Hogue. Thanks very much. And that's a wrap for today. Until next time, that'll be on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.